We all have an idealized version of our senior year of high school, right? I know when I think back to mine, it's just this big culmination of all the things I'd been working towards for the past three years. But there was such a huge social component to senior year too. I remember cheerleading had this whole different feel. All the seniors would go out after the games and our last homecoming was super emotional. So yeah, that's senior year for me. I can remember it really well. I think a lot of us probably can. And we recount our senior years kind of like scenes we see in films, like Superbad, American Pie, and countless other coming of age comedies. But for the class of 2020, many of those cinematic moments just did not happen. It's like you reach the climax of a movie and then it just stops, like the screen goes black. You just don't get to have the last few weeks of school and prom and like all those exciting things. It was just like, we got out for spring break on a random Thursday and I was like, okay, I'll see y'all in like a week. A week turned into months and while Texas schools have been in person for most of the last year and a half or more, that disruption has had a lasting impact on students, particularly teenagers. We gain our sense of security and, you know, safety from consistency, right? Mm -hmm. So for teenagers, especially that consistency is really important. They don't have that anymore because everything around them is constantly changing. I'm your host, Bailey Friday. As students and teachers prepare to go back to school, North Texas wants to know, what are the greatest mental health challenges students face today? According to a 2019 CDC report, more than one-third of high school students experience persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. That is a 40% increase over 2009-4-0. And that report came out before the pandemic. If you had to estimate what percentage of your friends and acquaintances have some type of mental health challenge that they're living with, a hundred percent, I think. I think everyone does a little bit, whether it's depression, just dealing with sadness that you can't really pinpoint on a day-to-day -day basis or anxiety. Yeah, I think everyone experiences that to a certain level. That is Mila Rogenis. This summer, she graduated early from the Einstein School in Plano after spending her first year and a half at Frisco High. Well, mental health to me means just a combination of your psychological and your emotional well-being. It just affects how you live your everyday life, how you think and feel and act. Okay, we are not here to dwell on the pandemic, but it does feel like a natural starting point to various things that have interfered with what was our normal lives. How's the disruption to routine impacted the mental health of teenagers? Teenagers are in especially vulnerable group. You know, when we think about younger children, there's a lot of resiliency built in. We always joke in this psychiatric community that children, especially elementary age children, are the perfect examples of mindfulness. You fall down, you get up, you move, they live for the moment. So there's a lot of mindfulness built into them. So they're not too concerned about the future. They're not preoccupied with what happened in the past. That is Dr. Ikta Malhotra. She's a psychiatrist in Plano. 
teenagers on a developmental spectrum are very different. They are moving towards finding their own personal identity. They are also moving towards what it means to exist in this world, strife with so many different issues. You mentioned COVID being one of them. There's a lot of climate anxiety these days. There's a disruption in their day-to-day -day routines. Life as we used to know it isn't what it is now. So the previous rules that used to apply don't apply anymore. Teens were already very online before schools went virtual too. So how has that coupled with social media impacted them? I think online school can have its advantages. There are certain things that you can learn best from watching a video or an, an, something animated, if you will. So in terms of a tool of learning, it's a very unique and interesting and actually I would say progressive modality. At the same time, like I said, because we have access to all these tools at our fingertips and it often also comes with the misinformation and other things, it's a double-edged sword. So it's, it's helpful in some aspects yet not helpful in some of the other aspects. The other thing about social media is people generally try to put forth their best selves, their happy selves. So what you might see isn't a true representation of how they're feeling internally. There's a couple issues I think with social media is just seeing it, all these people your age and like their lives and you know you see everyone's highlight reels and the best part of their lives and then you end up comparing yourselves to them and so that can really bring like your self-confidence down and you end up kind of just living in this world that's not really real you know it's just through your phone and kind of forget to live your life you know. It's not the real world but it is a way for people to connect especially for a college student relocating to a new city in the fall of 2020. I feel like the beginnings of most relationships now are from social media. I have a lot more social media relationships than I probably would in person. That's Mia King. We heard from her at the beginning of the episode. She's entering her third year at the University of North Texas in Denton. Now let's follow that movie-themed thread to its natural next step, okay? If the original is that fun, party-filled summer after your senior year of high school, saying goodbye to your close friends, your family, all that good stuff, then the sequel's about entering college life, right? Living in a dorm and meeting new people, forming both platonic and romantic relationships. We've gotten so used to just being antisocial and not really having a lot of face-to-face -face conversation or like, I don't know, everything's been online for so long that I feel like it's weird and kind of difficult sometimes for people to like get back to face-to-face -face conversation. I feel like initially when you start a relationship like that online it's exciting because it's a new person and you're just thinking of all these different possibilities and so like that's obviously really fun to think about it does kind of suck whenever you have been talking to someone about you know whatever whether it's a class or like you're genuinely talking about your life and then you just like never get an answer back or they don't use the app anymore or you just never get a message and it's just like dang that really could have been something but i guess not it's kind of disappointing in that way where you get your hopes up a lot but I feel like it can negatively affect mental health a lot just because obviously no one enjoys rejection. And now back to Mila. Have any of your friends talked to you about wanting to cut social media out of their lives or have you ever thought about doing that? Oh yeah, definitely. I only like just started consistently kind of posting on Instagram, but that's because more of like, I see it as like a 
a career option. Like it's it's good for advertising yourself, but I I don't have Snapchat. I just recently got rid of that just because I felt myself being like very distracted, like kind of like mindlessly scrolling through it when I feel like my time would be better spent doing other things. How do you feel after getting rid of it? Is it like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders or do you miss it? I don't miss it. I don't really think about it anymore, which I think goes to show how much I didn't really need it and how much time was wasted on it. And that's like not to say like you can't have Snapchat if you have like international friends or like people you want to keep in touch with. Like that's great. But I think it's good to make sure that you're not wasting time on social media. Learning disruptions and social media definitely take a mental toll, but What about the very real risk of physical violence in schools? According to the Gun Violence Archive, there were more than 330 mass shootings in the U.S. this year through mid-July. And the shooting in Uvalde this spring re-emphasized a very uncomfortable reality. Whether these are mass events or smaller events, the fact that American children have to grapple with this reality, where a school where arguably the majority of their time is spent during the day, the wakeful hours, not home, school, is a place that is no longer deemed safe, is very difficult. It is something that is going to change their minds and change their development for a very long time. This has some very long-term consequences for them. Along with consistency, a sense of safety that we derive from being in the spaces around us are safety from psychological bullying, safety from psychological harm, safety from physical harm, physical bullying, etc. So it's about everything that we do around us. This is incredibly challenging for students. This is not something anybody should have to prepare for, but they have to because of the current circumstances. Even if a shooting doesn't happen at a student's school, Wherever they occur, they impact students everywhere. Going into school the next day, it's very grim because there's some teachers who are wanting to like acknowledge what's happening and educate their students, which I think is great. It's obviously healthy to talk about things rather than just kind of bottling them in. And then there's other teachers who might go the route of just not, I don't want to say ignoring, but they would just rather try to give us some normalcy and continue our regular school day as it would usually go. Obviously, everyone's, every teacher's teaching style is different and I'm fine with teachers doing either of those. I didn't feel offended by one or the other. I don't know, there's just kind of a weird cloud over the students and the staff of like, okay, are we gonna talk about it? Are we not gonna talk about it? Tell me, what helps you process some of your feelings? Do your parents or teachers, can they do anything that helps when you're facing mental health struggles? I think that it does help a lot to have a support system, like people that believe in you, they believe you, and they do their best to make you feel better or bring your confidence up. But as much as the people around you help, I think that a lot of it really comes from within and kind of like, knowing your self-worth. I know that everyone says that, but it really is like confidence really is important. And I think that most of that comes from a realization that you have to go through and kind of discover on your own. So if there's a positive for young people that's come out of all these stressors and the upheaval of the last few years, it's learning what they need to do for their own mental health when faced with various challenges. 
Now, when it comes to social media, I consider myself lucky because when I was a teenager, social media was not at all what it is today. I didn't have Instagram telling me what I should look like, and Facebook was just a place I chatted with my friends. At that point, it wasn't telling me all the different ways the world's going to end. It's hard enough as an adult, and I constantly find myself wanting to cut social media out of my life. But as a teenager, as a child, when you have all these other pressures, and just the pressure of growing up in general, I can't even imagine. I know for myself, and I hope for everybody else, we've all learned a lot about ourselves. We've learned... When it comes to at home in your free time, how you can occupy yourself, maybe you picked up a new hobby, which is great. I know for myself personally, when it comes to schooling and just like, well, it started in school, but now it's just translated into my everyday life. I have taught myself how to have a lot of accountability because, (laughs) and when it comes to responsibility and my accountability, because if I start the day knowing I have three assignments due at midnight, The beginning of 2020 me would have just been like, okay, I'll start them at like 5 p.m., figure it out. I don't know. I'll just do it whenever. Like, it doesn't really matter. But as time went on and I had so many more classes and being given that 11.59 deadline, it allows for a lot of procrastination. And I feel like over time I've told myself, if you just get it done in the morning and just do what you need to do, you can have the rest of the day to do whatever makes you happy. If you're feeling upset, don't be afraid to try out a new hobby or do things that you already know that get your mind off things. Distraction, not in the sense of like actually distracting you from your problems, but giving yourself that time to feel other happy emotions naturally and just like surround yourself with nice and supportive people. Like I can't stress enough how important that is. If you or someone you know is struggling, there are resources available. The state has resources online through the Texas Education Agency and the Texas Department of State Health Services. In our interview, Dr. Malhotra suggested using mentalhealth.gov, and the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 988. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thanks so much for joining me on our new podcast, North Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more education news, check out our last episode, which dealt with why so many teachers are leaving the classroom. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.